1: so you can focus on your core business goals, confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose SixthSense, visit SixthSense.com.
0: Slack offers uh, integration with third-party tools. Using OAuth, you can share different types of data between your Slack workspace and other users.
1: That's Ashley Graves. She's a cloud security researcher at AT AT&T Alien Labs. The research we're discussing today is titled Slack Phishing Attacks Using Webhooks.
0: Webhooks specifically are a type of Slack app that lets you post uh, certain information to a channel. So given a secret URL, um, if someone knows that URL, they can send a message to the channel using that.
1: I see. And so the research that you've done here explores some potential vulnerabilities that come from that functionality.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't categorize it as vulnerability. Um, I would categorize it more as um, abuse of a feature.
1: I see. Well, let's walk through it together. Take us through uh, what, what you've outlined here. How, how, does, uh, how does this functionality work?
0: Sure. So as I mentioned, there's there's two features that this uses. There's there's webhooks and there's a uh, third-party integration via OAuth. So basically, if um, users can send these messages to a Slack channel with the with the pseudo-secret URL, then they could, in theory, send a phishing message. That is used to convince users to grant access to their Slack data um, using OAuth or th- that thing that allows third-party integrations.
1: Well, let's walk through this uh, step by step. You you sure. uh, you lay it out here in the uh, in the research here. Um, walk me, walk me through the steps here.
0: Yeah, of course. First, um, on the victim side, uh, the victim has say created a webhook so the victim knows the webhook URL. They may accidentally share that URL, whether it's um, posting it through GitHub or having it in a document that they shared by accident. So once this uh, this webhook is known by an attacker, that attacker can send um, a message containing a phishing link similar to how you would send a phishing link through email. Um, The unique thing about the second part of it is the third-party app integration. So instead of sending a link to, say, a phishing site that's asking for your credentials, you would send them the link to your third-party OAuth application. So this application would be built with the purpose of exfiltrating some data from Slack or somehow interacting with Slack. So for example, you might want to steal all the users uploaded documents, you might want to access their chat. So if a user clicks this link and grants access to the third party application, that third party then has access to whatever data the application scopes uh, defined. Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's the part that really fascinates me here because my understanding is that uh, the webhooks functionality is designed to basically have data flow in one direction only to be used to be able to post things to a slack channel is is that
0: correct yes that's correct
1: and so how do we get from from that functionality to the ability to exfiltrate data it, it's the creation of this custom app
0: yeah so the webhook itself are uh, the only purpose of the webhook is to send that information in one direction, to send that malicious link to the victim's Slack workspace specifically. Um, so so once they click the link, from there on out, it is all this third-party OAuth application that is doing the heavy lifting.
1: I see. And so one thing you outline here is, is a potential sort of formatting of of that message uh, making it look like it would be something that just in the, the course of their day, they would probably wouldn't think twice about clicking on. How do you have that uh, described here?
0: Yeah, so in this case, um, if someone already has a webhook set up and you have that webhook URL um, and you send a message to that URL, it'll use the webhook's name as they would normally see it. So if someone had an incoming webhook, uh, in, in my example, it's just called incoming webhook, but so if you are already familiar with this application being in your channel, you might not think twice if there's an error that says click here to update your webhook and maybe the person who owns it will click it. That is the person who owns the original webhook. Maybe someone else will click it. It doesn't really matter as long as they fall for it. Hmm.
1: And so when they click on that, that's when the 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 access tokens are exchanged. Can you can you sh- sort of shed some light on that part of it or what happens next?
0: Sure. So um, the tokens are obtained right that moment. First, the user, um, well, the potential victim will click on that URL. They will be prompted with an OAuth screen that basically... Uh, requests uh, a certain amount of access from them. So it'll say, for example, uh, incoming webhooks needs to access your basic information. Incoming webhooks needs to message your uh, private channel data, something like that. And then Mm -hmm. the user can either reject that or accept it. If they do accept it, that is when the token exchange happens. Um, the user will be none the wiser. They're sent back to their Slack workspace as normal, not to any phishing page, not to any obvious phishing page anyways. And from there, uh, the token access uh, is available.
1: And one of the things you point out here is, is that that page that they're sent to, uh, by all accounts, I mean, it looks like it it comes directly from Slack,
0: Yes, that's because it is directly yeah. from Slack.
1: Right. Um, so there's really there's no indication that uh that anything is amiss here.
0: Right. The the only indication that exists would be the person's gut feeling that it doesn't seem right, that that this app should not be requesting this level of data.
1: And so once uh the the bad folks get the access token, I mean that that's the ball game, right? That then they can then they have access to be able to, to exfiltrate data.
0: Yes. Uh, once the attacker has access to the access token, um, they can access that scope of data on behalf of the user until, uh, until that token no longer works.
1: And and the user themselves would have no indication that, that this data was was flowing out of their their uh their Slack instance, for example. That's correct. Wow. Well, let's talk about uh, some of the mitigations here. I mean, for folks who are using Slack, and that's a lot of people, how can they protect themselves against this?
0: Well, there's kind of two sides of the coin here. Um, Slack administrators need to take certain actions if they want to prevent this. And then end users need to have some responsibility or, well, some awareness around what type of risks are associated with Slack or at least third-party applications. Um, On the administrator side, Slack offers something called application whitelisting. So users would not be able to add a new third-party app um, until an administrator is able to approve that app. And when the administrators get those requests, they will see the application name, some data around it, and what scopes of access the application is requesting.
1: I see. And then on the user side, in terms of awareness, uh, as you said, you know, that that sense that something might not be quite right. What sort of uh, tips do you have for them?
0: Yeah, for them, um, there's two things. Um, Improved awareness around secrets handling. So I think some people legitimately um, don't understand uh, how much access an attacker can gain when credentials are leaked, and even more so when a webhook secret is leaked, because people since this is uh, a one-way communication, they don't see it as sensitive as, say, your AD credentials would be. Um, the other side of it is understanding what you're giving third parties access to. So knowing to read those OAuth scopes, understanding how the application that you're using might use that access, like, it wouldn't make sense to me at least, for a webhook to need access to my documents. So that's something that they have to look over and have some sort of understanding around whether whether it's some self-learning, whether it's included in security awareness training or something like that.
1: Yeah, it really seems to me like this is one of those examples where you, you have that tension between um, the need for security but also You know, folks just want to get their work done. And and there's that impulse when something like this pops up and it says, hey, I need your permission to access this, that, or the other. I guess there's a lot of people out there who would just say, well, I've got stuff to do. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and they just click through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, you see similar things when it comes to uh, the Cambridge Analytica issues with Facebook, um, the Google Docs phishing attack that happened in the past, where there were some other issues at the core of Cambridge Analytica, of course, but there were a lot of mm-hmm. people saying, "Oh, I never authorized that app. I never authorized that access." When realistically, they did have to go through an OAuth prompt. They did have to allow access to their basic information using that app, um, and and some of it, some of it is just clarity issues on the application side. Like maybe maybe those companies could have done a better job making it really obvious what kind of data you're handing over. But, of course, at the end of the day, if you want, if you want these automation tools and these accessibility tools to work and integrate with your cloud platforms, uh, you need to understand how they're interacting and what you're giving away.
1: Yeah. Now, you have heard uh, from Slack. They responded to your research. Uh, what was uh, their reaction?
0: Yeah, so they responded positively. Uh, they repeated most of the recommendations that we offer in the article, which is that uh, that you should look for exposed webhooks and invalidate them, uh, that Slack themselves proactively scrapes GitHub so that if they find webhooks there, they themselves will invalidate them, um, and also that Slack admins should do due diligence as far as whitelisting.
1: Do you find the response uh, adequate? I mean, is is it a, a satisfying response? Do you, do you feel as though uh, Slack is, is stepping up here and doing what they can?
0: I'm happy with the response and I appreciate that they allowed us to put out this research. I think that every company, including Slack, uh, can still do better when it comes to explaining these issues. I highlighted um, a number of things that, Slack did not directly respond to, such as the ways that they could possibly improve this interaction. And Hmm. again, this this is something that a user has to fall for. The user has to take some sort of action. Um, And I think that makes people think that an issue is less severe. But again, we've seen in similar attacks in the past that users can be easily tricked. And that it's not it's not stupidity. It's not it's not even ignorance. It's just that this is very new technology to a lot of people, and the prompts are not always clear. And there's a lot of small text about how they work. So I think that uh, that companies need to, I suppose, make as much effort as possible to help people understand uh, the impact of their actions. I think it's important to mitigate the scope of potential abuse. So in this example, uh, webhooks being single channel only could help mitigate the potential damage done if someone does get access to a working webhook. Um, improving clarity around secrets handling and how important a secret is, and limiting access that unverified apps can have, such as um, scope or user limitations. So. For example, after um, after the Google Docs phishing attack, Google limited the number of users who could access a certain app if that app wasn't verified or trusted or went through uh, went through validation in some way. So they also redid a lot of their OAuth prompts, so the clarity improved. So those type of things are something that only the vendor can do.
1: thanks to Ashley Graves from AT&T Alien Labs for joining us. The research is titled Slack Fishing Attacks Using Webhooks. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in sassy and zero trust.